Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. What up, Ed? What's up, man? How you making? Wait, you outside like right now? Man. You what? Oh, I thought you were outside right now. I was like... Yeah, I'm outside, man. The basketball game on. I'm in New Orleans. You can do adult shit, like sit outside and have a drink. I get the... <laughs> <laughs> Look at him, his face. And he ain't even got no headphones on. Like he just straight like I'm out in these streets. <laughs> out here. Yeah. Right. You ain't got your headphones, Mr. My, Mac. My guess is you just found out about this. No, I don't like headphones. I don't like to be contained, man. I'm, I'm a, a wild fight. animal. I'm ready to fight Anthony Mackie, and I barely know him. I'm sorry. Hear that? <laughs> Welcome oh, to God. knowing Anthony Mackie. <laughs> Let us start. <laughs> is everyone rolling? Yes. Yes. Not Anthony Mackie, but... No, I don't record. That's how they get everybody in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I free play. I free play. (laughs) I I can tell this is already going to match our our, uh, drunken Christmas episodes. I I can tell already. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme. I'm your host, Questlove. We have Team Supreme with us. Unpaid Bill, hello. Yeah. How's it going? It's Tuesday. Everything's good. It's a Wednesday. You didn't tell us. You didn't tell us that we we got black Muppets on the way. Oh yeah, black Muppets. We haven't discussed black Muppets. There are <laughs> black Muppets. <laughs> Get into it. Wait, now it I gotta pose. I gotta pose the question like SNL. Does that mean all the other Muppets are white? Valid question. Can't answer that per se, but it's a really good question. <laughs> are, are you not allowed to answer that question? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, probably. I haven't honestly thought about it, but it's a good. It's don't a good question. Don't answer it, dude. Don't yeah. answer. Are, are we recording? Because I don't. I don't record. I've, I learned from Anthony Mackie. I don't record. I just. I just <laughs> free play, baby. I just free play. play. Free, free living, free, free. Yo, so what's 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 uh what's the Muppets' names? Derek and Travis or something? <laughs> no, come on. Oh, they got no, regular names? One, no, one of them got a real black name. It's not real black, but it's a black enough. Not like Lil Derek and Lil You got to name one of them Razul. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give him like a North Philly name, Razul. <laughs> See, Anthony. <laughs> Please. Anyway. Wait, uh, is, your she, girlfriend, is your girlfriend of urban descent? No, she's the producer of Sesame Street. 
Right. Is she of urban descent? What is She's urban not. descent? What is, is she urban? black? His stepmother's Jamaican, though. <laughs> oh, okay. That's right. All right. Oh, okay. their names are their names are Elijah and Wes, which are uh, not the blackest names okay. I've ever heard either. Yeah, but maybe they, like Elijah's is kind of yeah. That's yeah, and that's they did bad. Elijah. Shout out to you know Elijah. Rest in peace, Colorado Springs. That's what's up. Okay. I don't know about that. Somebody they want my my um, my ex wanted to name my son Wyatt, and I was literally about to go to jail. <laughs> and, wow. and so you decided to name him Anthony Jr. Uh, oh, <laughs> what do you think I'm gonna name him? Yo, I, I, that was the last thought of my mind. Y'all can't see Andy's face right now. He <laughs> shot a look like what you think I named him. Anthony Jr. I'm see. from the South. You're gonna be a junior. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I love me some Anthony. Okay. I see that, Sugar Steve. How 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 are we doing this week? We're doing great. Nice to see everybody. Team Supreme, Anthony Mackey. So nice to see you. What's up, Rich man? <laughs> Greetings from Manhattan. <laughs> uh, why are you? Yeah, how, how man. You? You, you, I'm hype. I'm ready for this. I'm ready to go in. I'm yes. <laughs> You've been ready for about ten minutes, girl. Go in. God damn. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm good. This is gonna be a fun episode. Let's get All right. it. All right. Yeah, I was about to say. I normally I'm gonna I'm gonna eschew the uh, the 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 long drawn out episode because there's really no need for this introduction. I'll just say this much. Please, Eight say Mile, so. brother to brother, Manchurian candidate. She hate me. Million dollar baby. Eagle eye. The hurt locker. Notorious. Night catches us. Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Detroit. Captain America. Winter Soldier. Civil War. Also. The hate you give. Yes. I didn't realize that was thug acronym. I'll get to that later. Oh <laughs> man. Black or white. Oh, you knew that? Every yeah, the thing, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. So sorry. Forgive me. All right. Anyway, the night <laughs> the night before Avengers, Ant Man, uh Striking Vipers, Black Mirror episode, definitely. All the way. Um the Falcon Winter Soldier, of course. Um, dude. What about the Matt Damon one? Adjustment Bureau. Come on. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay, there was 12 more I was going to name, but fuck it. Ladies and gentlemen, we got <laughs> Anthony Mackie on Questlove Supreme. Yeah. Yes. yes. And we're recording. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> we, yes, we are recording. How, how, how are you right now, man? I'm good, bro. I'm chilling. I'm just living life, man. Enjoying this unemployment game. Shut I up. Love it. <laughs> Your job is on TV every week. I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I'm like, bro. you're I'm everywhere. Like... So how are you unemployed? Well, this is this the minute is how you finish it. a job, you're unemployed. Thank you, sir. There's one person yeah. here that knows how unemployment works. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's that's one right. person here that also knows that you probably have five other things lined up. Yeah. I mean, later, yeah, but right now I'm unemployed. <laughs> I get that. You can actually file. He's right. I didn't think about it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was told I can't file. Oh. Well, yeah, I was about to say you can file. I don't get a stimmy check. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. I was going to say you got your stimmy. <laughs> Dude. Use a superhero. I superhero. I was going. I was. I was going to file for stimmy, and they told me I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Now that would be pretty fucked up if, of a country if we let the Falcon get a stimmy. <laughs> 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 that's, that's income equality, like a motherfucker. Income equality. Hey, where, where are you right? Where are you right now? What part I'm of in, the U.S.? 
I'm uh, I'm in New Orleans downtown. Yeah. So you are true blue, true blue New Orleans. Yeah, uh, seven wall Boscoville, hardhead. Know that. Yeah, know that. Else that, who that See, y'all that. New York motherfuckers don't know how to deal with that. The yeah, we don't. From, you saw the silence <laughs> afterwards. Right. Everybody was like, uh, two uh, plus two it. is... Uh, yeah. uh, love you too, Anthony. Thank you. <laughs> I was just wondering if all the New Orleans All-Stars knew each other. Because we, we talked to Terrence Blanchard in the last month. We talked to PJ Morton, Tank, and everybody is still... All the New Orleans folks are in New Orleans, unlike a lot of other folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 always. It's the yeah. best city in the world. Why would you leave? You get your you get European flavor with the amenities of America, with the best food in the world. Why would you leave? August. Shit. Oh, you don't like being naked? <laughs> I know. Or, oh, my bad. <laughs> Wait, what else happens in August besides uh, the amount of hurricanes and floods? That no, come? I just mean it'd be on fire. Anthony Murray, it'd, yeah, it'd be on heat. fire. Yeah, yeah you get yeah. in the pool and you... Get cat hot, whatever your casual is, casual and get in the pool. My neighbors know me through and uh, through. Uh, <laughs> oh wow. I'm like, stop looking over the fence, dog. This ain't for you. Stop looking I, over the fence. I'm not gonna make it through this, I don't think. I don't... <laughs> oh my god. All right. No, I don't my... even like I don't even feel like having a normal ass interview because <laughs> But he deserves his flowers, so we, you know, he's like flowers. Yeah. I think this is our flowers moment. Yeah, <laughs> man, for real. This, this, Come on, this Quest, be... I knew I knew you too long. I'm gonna be good. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. No, Go no, ahead. no. You good? You straight? Um, I'm just waiting to get to this. She hate me conversation. So. Uh oh, here we go. <laughs> the well, original I, actually, dog I do want to start. That's what they call me. What, what your, what's your what's your family situation in in New Orleans? Like, how many brothers and sisters or siblings? Uh, three, three sisters, two brothers. Uh, we all live here. You know, once you're here, but you always come back. So, you know, Where and you thankfully, knock, knock on wood, none of us have had COVID. Um, but I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest. Uh-huh. You're the baby. Okay. Uh, are they all artistically inclined or you're the only one that sort of broke the path? Nah, I'm the only one. They, they came damn if you give them a, a menu to read, it'll be a disaster. <laughs> <sighs> so what what drew you to acting? Uh, you know what? I was a kid, dude, and my teacher, you know, in the 90s, they wanted to put everybody on Ridley. So, mm. yeah. you know, my mom, my mom came to school and was like, yo, that's a gateway drug. And I was like, what the fuck? What? Like, what is it a gateway to? So then I got scared. And instead, my my uh, my third grade teacher came in and was like, yo, he's a good student. He just needs something to focus his uh, attention. So she had me audition for the Talented in Theater program. And after that, I never had another problem. Wow. Yeah, man. I had some amazing teachers in my life. Every step of my life, literally, I am where I am today because of the teachers I had. From my second this was- grade teacher all the way up. And these are all teachers in New Orleans. So they had a, yeah. uh, cause we hear about music. I hear a lot about the music in New Orleans, but how, what's the kind of drama acting scene like locally? No, I mean, there's, look, the, the acting scene is great. You know, we have a, we have theaters here. We have theater groups here. You know, we have mm-hmm. um, the, just the art scene in general. You know, if you look at the Mardi Gras Indians, all of that is just performing. Mm-hmm. You know, all of us are storytellers. You know, New Orleans is a culture of storytelling. 
So, you know, if you sit down with Wenton Marcellus or Terrence Blanchard, you see them dudes could tell a story that could wake up dead people. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, we had them both on the show. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a part <laughs> of the culture, man. It's, that's all it is. Storytelling is a part of the culture. Yeah. So, you know, everybody here, the actor in their own right. Uh, your parents, what true. were your, what was your, what were your parents uh, when uh, you were growing up? My mom was a housewife, dude. She just like chilled and spanked all six of us. And my dad was a uh, contractor. He had a roofing company. So, you know, he, uh, with his education, became one of the most successful businessmen in the city of New Orleans. Wow. Just off of honesty and hustle. It's literally like one of the most amazing stories um, you would ever think to hear from my grandfather to my dad to his six kids. You know, the amount of um, growth and prosperity and uh, appreciation is the biggest thing. You know, my grandfather was a sharecropper, you know, so... You know, it was, you know, it's just one of those things where I would never defile my family's name just simply because of who my grandfather was. Like when I got yeah. in trouble, my dad used to say, you know, you were Mackie, right? So, mm. you know, the validity of our name always meant something, even when I was a child. Like when mm. we went somewhere, I was never Anthony. I was that Mackie boy. Mm-hmm. So it was already uh, a standard set. It Nobody already was standard. And that standard seems like it has a lot to do with the roles that you seem to choose, too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 That's why I'll never use the N word on screen. That's why I, I, I choose roles in a way that people can watch, learn and grow from. Yeah, you do. Yeah. When I play a thug is a thug with substance. I don't want to just be willy nilly out here, you know, acting like an idiot selling booty for cornbread. Yeah. We didn't mention one of my favorite <laughs> Anthony Mackie roles. Is Wait, can we appreciate that Mr. imagery right there? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm can sorry. We, I didn't mean to step we, on that. That was yeah. so much. Yeah. <laughs> I've never sorry. heard of selling booty for cornbread. I feel like someone in your true. life once said that to you and that stuck with you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, That's somebody's grandmother's true. turn. Don't be out there selling booty for cornbread. <laughs> booty for cornbread. <laughs> My version of that true, was don't be out there in the corner selling yeah. wolf tickets. <laughs> yeah, we had wolf tickets. That was our shit too. Wolf, wolf tickets. tickets. <laughs> What's that? Explain that. Oh, you don't know what wolf, wolf tickets is? Like wolf tickets, like bullshitting, like you yeah. capping. Don't like be acting a fool. Wolf tickets? Yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's yeah. some northeast shit. Don't that be writing no check you can't cash. You know. Sure, right. Don't write right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, yeah. my Bill, my dad was the type of person, yes, like his goal in life, you know, like Chris Rock says, like, keep your daughter off the pole. Mm-hmm. His goal in life for me was just to keep me from going on the corner selling wolf tickets. Wolf <laughs> tickets. Where, what's the genesis of that saying, though? Who knows? You talking about, you want to find the origin of black sand? Yeah. Well, it's, it's we barely know where we come from. I'm like, <laughs> All right, we're recording. Let's I'm go. Sorry, we're recording. <laughs> it, no, it, now I got to look up. Uh, Wolf ticket. Nah, you know Dictionary. what it was. Some old, some old black dude got a dog and painted him like a wolf and was selling tickets <laughs> to see his dog. That when everybody got mad and whooped his ass when they saw it wasn't a wolf. That was the origin of it. And that so, is improv, ladies and gentlemen. Storytelling in New Orleans. Making Listen. shit up. Yes. The black history fact of the day. Yeah. The fact of the day. So, can uh, I, men- can Bill- I mention, Mr. Love, can I just mention why he's mentioning that role of playing thugs that just are more deeper than what you think? Half nothing. No, I was just going to... Yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. MP. Mr. P, yes, that was good. Sorry. Wait, uh, Bill, to answer your question on Urban Dictionary... Oh, God. Oh, the the often cited Urban Dictionary, yes. Wolf ticket, yes. To try... (laughs) 
Uh, it's to try and sell a lie either to yourself or to others. <laughs> <laughs> to yourself. Oh, where I'm from, that's called marriage. <laughs> yeah. I'm happy I am. I'm happy. Wow. wow. <laughs> let's go in, divorce. Wow. Let's do it. <laughs> Listen. Let's, let's go in. You know this club right here. Yes, club. All day. Let's yes, go. Wow. Divorcedmens.org. How long, how, long, how, long you, how long you been divorced, Mackie? Are you, are you back married now? Where you at? No, 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 no. I'll never know. I've been divorced uh, four years. Yeah, me He's too. Been four years. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Wait, you say never again? Never. He's, no. talking, oh, I thought he's An- talking to Anthony. Sorry. I thought Anthony said never again. <laughs> That's me. My bad. You think you think you do it again or you are you good? No, nah, you know what? I'm good, bro. I'm, unless it's Oprah or like, I mean, unless it's somebody <laughs> like, well, I'm, unless it's Holly Berry. You don't need well, me. Well, no, I do. Ah. Or J-Lo. Oh. Or, Come on, it, look at their history. It, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's, it's perception, <laughs> Anthony. What are we talking <laughs> Your name is, your name is like, three of the most. All right, you're doing this on purpose. He's trolling. <laughs> <laughs> I want drama in your relationship. You know. Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. You know. Yeah, but the married one, you know, Cookie from Good Times. You know, I mean, who was Cookie? I don't know. I don't know who Cookie was. Uh, Penny, I mean, yeah, not Penny, but uh, Walona. Okay. She's yeah, here. I, you know, I, I think now, especially the age that we are now, I think marriage is just finding somebody that you want to, that you want to die with. Like yeah. you want, that's the person you want to. You know what? I think it's finding somebody that's nice, dog. Like people nowadays just aren't 100%. nice. Yeah. Like, 100%. And, and you meet people that are unappreciative, they're not nice. No matter what it is, no matter what you do for them, it's not enough. No matter what, they're always asking you for something. Like, it's it's like, just meet somebody that's nice. Like, yo, I'm outside cutting grass. You look hot. Let me bring you something to drink. Yeah. You're a man and I love you. You know what I mean? Like, just be nice. Like, take care of me the way you don't take care of other motherfuckers. I know that's a hard idea to grasp, but just be nice. Like, you had a hard week. Yeah. Go out with your boys and, like, stuff. Yo, leave yeah. me. Just be that nice. That stuff was alluded. Yeah. Always- <laughs> but come home and take care of this when you finish with your boys. You gotta, oh, you know, that's what you're supposed yeah. to do. Oh, don't worry yeah. about that. Take okay. care of that before and that. When I leave, you see, when I get home, Go I mean, out and you have fun with your boys. You enjoy yeah, it. Yeah. That's how that works. Uh, even have fun's a loaded definition. No, nah, have, have fun look. and keep your dick to yourself. No, that's it. I'm, you know, we that's we anonymous. So old, we so uh, old. Our idea of having fun is sitting around talking shit about the stuff we didn't yeah, do, yeah. drinking and having a good. That's it. Shit. Yeah. You know, my idea of having fun is silence. Exactly. <laughs> That's a, for real. Yep. Wait, uh, don't don't be offended, babe. Yeah, she uh, graces away for a week, and it's just me talking shit. I I <laughs> love silence. Yeah, I love silence. Okay. No, no. I, I just meant being in a relationship is, you know, I, I'm I'm new. I'm in. The, we're in the honeymoon phase still. So it's still like, still. You know, uh, yeah, we're still in our honeymoon phase. Like right, how long has it been? Has it been? Is it two? Years I don't yet? hate her yet. Uh, uh, was it 21, 20, uh, two years almost? 
this oh, two man, years you... was one of those years was a COVID year though. So that's like a year <laughs> on steroids. That's like Actually, five years. Yeah, twenty twenty like might two years count plus. for three years. For and real. I'm I'm shocked that we survived COVID. And so, you know, because a lot everyone else didn't. Yeah. So Yo, I'm, they I'm, said the they said the divorce rate during COVID went up like a thousand percent. Really? Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy when you actually meet the person you marry. <laughs> that part. Oh, that shit changes everything. Yeah. Exactly. It's Come like, on. yo, be nice. Be nice. We gotta be nice to each other. I feel like that's fair. Like, just be nice. It is, but it's harder than it sounds. It's just it's no, like, it's not. It's like really for some nice. people. For some people, yeah. Yeah, for some people, you, yeah. You know. Well, there's nice. There's also honesty mm. and no, transparency. You can lie to me. You can lie to me. Just be nice. <laughs> <laughs> please lie to me. Tell me I'm the prettiest oh, mother. I mean, please lie to me. Don't tell me the truth. How am I going to segue to Juilliard after this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> it's all lies. It's all lies. Juilliard lies. It's all lies. He's in the middle of a monologue, so you might yeah, as well I just. This, I thought this was the truth circle. Acting is it a is. lie. Oh, it's a lie. This is the truth circle, bro. It is. Let me stop messing with you. Definitely a safe space. Definitely a safe space. Wolf stop tickets. messing with you. I'm going to be all over TMZ. Anthony Maggie said. They're messing they around with y'all. They don't pay attention to Quest Love Supreme. It's too nerdy. No. <laughs> y'all are trouble. Yeah. All right. So how did you wind up at Juilliard? Uh, you know, it was a funny story, man. There was this actor from New Orleans named Wendell Pierce, and I met him yes. when I was 14 years Bunk. old. And when yes. I met Wendell, Wendell showed up at school. He had on a white linen suit. He was driving a, a Porsche, a black Porsche. He had on a white linen hat. Honestly, I was like, that's the cleanest black dude I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> and he gave a speech, and I went up to him afterwards, and I was like, yo, bro. Yo, whatever you did, I'm gonna do. Wherever you went, I'm gonna go. He goes, All right, youngster, go sit down. I'm like, All right, bet, bet. <laughs> so I went to North Carolina School of the Arts. For, he went to NOCA, I went to NOCA. He went to uh, Juilliard, I went to Juilliard. I went there just specifically because he went there, because he was such a, a role model and an ambassador to the arts for me just because he was such a talented dude and i had never seen a black dude speak so eloquently a black dude so like emotionally connected with his work you know what i mean like the stuff that he he was the best part about waiting to exam yeah and he had two scenes yeah true that <laughs> and you know wait I mean? and then y'all both ended up and she hate me together exactly exactly that exactly. means she just wants to rush that she hates. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I was just saying. I would. We'll go back to that. You know, put a pin in it. But I just thought that. Well, was see, nice. now Close you up. said that. Uh, you said that, and and now I'm thinking, shit. So that made an impression. So you're saying that seeing Wendell and in his clean suit and his mm. Porsche, that made an impression on you, and you're like, that's what I want to. That's what I want to do. No, it was seeing him so clean because I didn't even know he had the Porsche until I looked out the window. And I'm not a Porsche dude. Like if he had pulled up in a classic Mustang, I'd have been like, "This guy yes. is God," you know. Uh, but <laughs> but I'm, just I'm, seeing him, seeing him speak about the arts and the way his passion about the arts and him okay. being so clean. Like you know, my dad was a contractor, man. My dad was a roofer. Every day my dad came home, he got his. I mean, he was. Like I had never seen a dude that clean before, you know, and it really it really changed my perception of what a man was, because to me, a man was a dude who went out and had dirt under his nails and 
you know, bust his ass for his family and really made sure that his house was in order. And I didn't know. I thought only white dudes could do that in a suit. Mm. Wow. Gotcha. See, now, damn, and you said that now I'm all messed up because whenever I go to Philly, yeah, I, I, I purposely try to do the opposite. Like, I drive the bummy car and... The key is no, because I want. I want. I'm trying to do this down to earth blue collar musician thing, and I thought that that would make more of an impression than, you know. No, I think the, what's I think what's interesting, especially with kids, kids want to see. That's why, like, people in you know everybody in the music industry and everybody who kids try to emulate they try to emulate them because they look like they got it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why women, that's why, you know, little girls are asking for these, you know, drag queen eyelashes and, because, you know, that's, that's the idea. Now because I think that's the look of when you got it, you know? And my thing was my dad had it, my bro, you know, but when I looked at window, like I saw window and he had it. Mm. Well, you know, my his education level, you know, everything about him, dude, like to this day, like I talked to him last week before he left for Europe mm-hmm. and everything about this dude just exudes uh, confidence and success. That's so dope. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. if there's a if there's a generation of Latin X, he's black X. No, you're right. <laughs> he definitely you needs know? to get more flowers out loud. You're right. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Can I ask you about the that class of Juilliard? Because it's interesting. It seems like there's a slew of folks that came out of Juilliard from your year and like either the following or the pre. Like from, Nel, Nel, I was thinking about Nelson Ellis from True Blood to the to my girl from uh, Power, uh, Lauren. You know what I mean? Like, so can you talk about that? And if y'all could connect it and circle, or ever circle back in life? Um, I mean, of course, you know, the, the great thing about it is our class was probably the first, well, I would say definitely Routina, the first. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, Routina Wesley. Our class was definitely the first diverse class at Juilliard. We had five black people. We had a Native American. We had an Asian. We had, I mean, 20 people, you know, eight of us were from Nick descent. Mm. You know, That's so dope. we we were definitely the most, the first and the most diverse class at Juilliard ever. And because of that, we were able to do things that other classes weren't able to do. Like I first got recognition by playing Tupac off Broadway. And, and that was a play we developed to, at Juilliard. You know, oh. we did that play at Juilliard first because it was in the New York Times. You know, you who would expect Juilliard students to be able to do a play about Tupac? And I'm like, so why is acting the only career where you're limited by your level of education. Like the more that you have, the less right. kind of roles. Le- no, 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 no. The more you have, the less black you the are. The less black you are. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead and say it. The less black you are. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's the whole situation. Ooh, that's, that's the whole situation that really confuses me. You know, if you're a, a black person with any substance, depth, and weight, you're looked upon as fake, phony, or not black. That's crazy. There's been times when I've gone in auditions and they're like, yeah, you ain't black. You went to Juilliard. Won't say the person's name who told me that. But, you know, that's happened to me a few times in my career, you know, but we don't look at it that way. And that's the sad, scary part. 
if you went to Julie or not, you're not real. We got to go get somebody that shot 17 people and can actually <laughs> smoke weed on set. Well, yeah, some of them commercials mess that up. When you see the commercials where the people are speaking that urban thing and then they do the behind the scenes and they're speaking right. proper and you're like, so I think those kind of, yeah. Black acting school. <laughs> oh, yeah. and Hollywood Shuffle. And, uh, and can, you, can you talk about... um? Well, before before you started Eight Mile, you were in a string of uh, August Wilson plays. Yes. Was that just strictly for? How did you get involved in those projects? Were they Juilliard related, or was this? Uh, no, 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 no. That was just out of uh, love for August. I mean, you know, Piano Lesson was the fr- one of the first plays I saw, and it literally changed my life. It changed my relationship with my father because I didn't mm. understand him until I saw Piano Lesson. You know, wow. so August was a dear friend and someone who had a lasting impact on my life. And that's why I named, named my third son August because of, you know, his inability to conceive. You know, I mean, he did something no other writer on earth has done. He documented a cultural, uh, a, a, he documented a culture of people for a hundred years. Mm. And nobody gives them props. Nobody talks about it. You know, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. At the same time, you know, that's our fault. Yeah. So, Folks you know, give him props. But, Folks give him props, but maybe not enough. Maybe he's yeah, not enough. I mean, they, I, gave him, they gave him a stamp. But it depends on what you feel like props are. If you feel like, like, do you feel like the black community knows who he is? Do you feel like the world should know? And the world does know, but the theater world knows. It's, kind of, it's interesting in that way. Because I'm like, I feel like August Wilson has been a part of the conversation for Quite a while now, depending on who you're talking to. He's been a part of the conversation now for, I would say, the past. Okay. Because of my... Piano lessons. Okay. No, no, no. Since uh, Denzel and Viola. Yeah. uh, Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we need to read this book. Oh, this should be required reading. Oh, we should... And it's like, you know, when he was alive, nobody gave him that. They have been trying to make sense of a movie when he was alive. Yeah. You're right. You know what I mean? So he deserves that, man. Deserves, you know, for all ten of his plays to be done. What was it about the piano lesson that uh, helped you understand your dad? I never realized the day-to-day struggles and uh, hardships of a black man once he left the house to the time he got back to the house. Yeah. You know, my dad had to beg, borrow, steal, fight, and kill to make sure our roof was over our head as kids. And then he had yeah. to come home and deal with us out, the six of us, and my mom and whoever else was in the house, you know? <laughs> and I always thought he was just a mean old dude. I always thought he was just a detached old dude. But no, a month. Like, I always wondered why my dad would pull up to the house and sit in his truck for 30 minutes before coming inside. Man, listen. listen. I do it to this day. I do it. Right. The, the black man <laughs> driveway sitting. Oh, I'm man. doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is a real thing. It's I thought it was the only thing. one in loan. Like, uh, I, I, it's the real thing. Sometimes you just got to sit in your car for 25 minutes so you can... Just chill out. I literally like, thought that was just me. No. no. That is us. You are not alone, bro. That is us. This that is, is us. us. Yes. Yes. And I never, I never got that until I saw Fences. When I saw, you know, what Troy Maxim had to go through, the hardships and decay that he had suffered, the experience and 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 bastardizing of his masculinity he went through every day and then he had to come home and deal with his family and then then his family had to come and deal with him 
One hundred percent. That's a that's a byproduct of everything mm. that he had to go through. Yes. All day. I thought about that when you were talking about your father and Wendell Pierce, and I was like, you know, not for nothing. It's a privilege, and even in twenty twenty one, depending on how old you are, it's a privilege to be like emotionally evolved. And all and all black men didn't have that privilege. And I thought about your dad, and I was like, your dad probably didn't have the privilege that Wendell had had to be vulnerable, to show emotion, to do the things they required for you know for acting and things. No, hell no. Yeah, hell no. My yeah. dad, no. My dad, like I said, my dad got kicked out of school in eighth grade. Like my dad, wow. you know, was born in the forties, so it was a different time. Yeah, you know, we didn't. You know, Benjamin E. Mays, who was the president of Morehouse College, said our grandparents studied agriculture so that our parents can study math and science so that we can study arts and literature. Mm -hmm. Philosophy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. My grandfather. And now think about that. My grandfather was a sharecropper. My daddy was a contractor and I'm a fucking actor. That's lineage. Dog. My dad mm -hmm. took bullets and my dad took so much shit. Just so I can sit here and be a, a goofy dude, a fucking actor. Just so I can sit around and taste the coffee in a classroom. You know what I mean? That's so it's him. just, when you look at it that way, I can't get yeah. in a movie and start talking about N-word this, N-word that. I can't get in a movie and jeopardize the legacy of my dad and my grandfather and everything they put into me. Hell no. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. That's why when, you, when I see these t-shirts... You know, I am not my ancestors. Hashtag these hands. Right. I'm like, what? Yeah. What else? That that yeah, you. Yo. I see him online. It's it's corny. It's fucking corny. I am not yeah. my ancestors. That is hashtag the opposite of what black people hands. should be saying. That's one hundred percent. One hundred percent. But I mean, that's a generational thing. You know. Yeah. 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 Eyelashes and hookahs. That what I call. It. <laughs> <laughs> How old is your oldest kid, Anthony? Uh. 59, 58, 58. You know, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I, know you, I know you're dealing with it. I, I, whatever, whatever oh, the age is. All day, I know you, every day. I all get day. It. Uh -huh. TikTok. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> my oldest kid, he's 11. I thought you said my oldest sibling. Oh, no. Okay, I thought you was joking and you would not, didn't want to tell me. Oh, no, 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 no. He's 11. Okay, we good. He's again. 11. Okay, me and you, we cool. Okay. Oh, girl. <laughs> Oh, so before y'all weren't cool. When he, no, because right. I thought he didn't want passive aggressive. Exactly. <laughs> Damn. Guess <laughs> that fast. I guess that fast. So, uh, and when you came to New York, did you? When did you officially start pounding the pavement as far as auditions are concerned with movies? Like, at what point did you decide, like, okay, I should get an agent, I should do movies? Nah, you know, going to Juilliard, to be honest, the agents come to us. Oh, I bet. We have Ooh, auditions wow. and they, okay. they invite all the agents. Is there an acting draft? I was about to say, what does it look like? Um, no, this is, I, I'm really, no, no, we're, I've we're been serious. Fascin seriously fascinated by Juilliard and especially I, yeah, all the talent. I got, I got accepted to Juilliard and couldn't afford to go. So I'm kind of yeah. like vicariously living through you right yeah. now. Well, I, I think you, uh, I think you did all right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that uh, already agents come to see like who's. Yeah, we do something called the consortium audition. And basically you prepare oh, okay. two scenes and they pair you up with someone and the agents come. 
they watch the scenes, and then we do a repertory season. So the agents come, if they're interested in you and they watch your plays in the repertory season, that's when you get a meeting with whatever agent is interested in you. Now, the interesting thing is some people get no agents and some people get all the agents. <laughs> wow. Gotcha. So, you know, and then there are the people in between. I was one of those like in between people. I didn't have a bunch of agents, but I didn't have no agents. But the agent that I got with, you know, in 2001, that's the same person. Okay. That's what's up. What is it about? Um, one thing I was wanting to know, what is it about Juilliard um, that makes it such a great school and like what did you learn what are some of the things you learned there about acting that you still apply to your career today um you know the great thing about Juilliard was at that time there was no technique like we didn't study Meisner we didn't study um any of the acting techniques we literally they developed a, a curriculum where you built your character from yourself and your life mm. experiences then you layer things on that character through movement. Then you layer things on that character as far as the way he, he talks. Then you layer things, physicality onto that character, you know, prosthetics, hair, wardrobe, whatever. And then when you look in the mirror, it's a completely different person because he moves different, he sounds different, he acts different than you do. It was never an idea of technique, you know, you know, because if you go to school from now and your second year in, you realize Meisner doesn't work for you. You have to start over. But if you start from yourself, you build from yourself, you'll always be able to create an honest character because you started with yourself. Yeah, it's so, coming from you. Gotcha. Yeah, it was, um, you know, and that's why you can always tell when motherfuckers are acting. Like when you saw Bernie Mac in life, he wasn't acting. He was that dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but there's certain <laughs> other people. Yeah, jangle 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 you know, jangle there were certain <laughs> other people who tried to imitate that. And you can tell they were acting because they had no substance in background <laughs> with that character. Yeah. You know? Damn. So with, when you get a role, uh, uh, do you have to go through that process where you write a six-page biography of what your character was? And, you know, it's... Like, I heard the, 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 the exercise of writing a, a complete biography of what your character was born, yeah, his family. Nobody, nobody do that shit. The, uh, <laughs> yo, Questlove Supreme is the I show that where everyone just knocks the not pulling pins nobody down. Do I love it. Ain't nobody, nobody got time for that shit, man. Nobody got time for that shit, man. Like I, I barely graduated high school, so I don't want to take me to write six pages. ACK, motherfucker, I came here to act. Right now, these right now, these goddamn thesis statements and shit. Right, but, a motherfucking yeah. Hollis Opus in this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've heard actors do that though, so you don't. Nah, uh, some like, do. some do, some okay. do. I um, for me, it's different. The first thing I do is. I read the script and I break it down three three ways because life is about perception. You're, it's not about how you act. It's about how people perceive your actions. So if I say and I meant it sincerely, but you perceive it as sarcasm, your feelings are hurt, but I meant it sincerely. So even though I was trying to be nice, it don't matter. You took it as me being an asshole. So now in that reality, I'm an asshole because that's your perception. Impact right? versus intent. So, Gotcha. There you go. So that being said, when I get a script, I read it in three different perspectives. First, when I get a script, I tell my agents, don't tell me who I'm playing because, mm-hmm. you know, 
I want to read the script for the story. If the story don't work, if mm. the characters don't work, I'm not doing it. So when you read a script, you read it from the perspective of the writer, which no character uh, delineage is involved. Read it from the perspective of your character. And then you read it from the perspective of the other characters talking about you. And you highlight your three different colors. Because then you know if you're walking down the street and you're like, you know, you walk up to a girl and you're like, hey, how you doing? That's when while you're walking down the street, they cut to two girls across the street. And they're like, look at that old goofy motherfucker walking down the street. <laughs> so, you know, you walking goofy. You don't look cool. You look goofy. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so that affects the way you walk. That affects the way you handle that moment. So the, the best information you get in the script is what the writer says about you. So if you read a script from the writer's perspective and they say he walk into a room, mug faced, sullen, and his first line is, oh, I'm so hungry. You know exactly the emotion to put on that line when you say it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So you have the three different perspectives of how you read the script. Then once I feel like I have a, a grasp and idea of the emotional state of the character, I, uh, I find a piece of art. I find a song. And I find clothing that I feel capture the essence of the character. I always I buy a piece of art for every movie I do. What was wow. the um, what was your in terms of, you know, you talk about finding yourself inside a character. Where were you in your character for the Hurt Locker? Mm. You know what? The Hurt Locker is a great question. Mm -hmm. Hurt, the Hurt Locker was interesting because for me, the racial dynamic played everything about that. Mm -hmm. um, you have a black soul just trying to make it home to his family. He's trying to make it home. Who's trying to make his life better so he can use his GI Bill and go to college. That's the way I played it. That's the character I developed because he wanted to go to engineering school. Because if you look at bomb techs, they're very smart guys. I mean, these guys go to MIT, to be. Georgia Tech. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's a dude who, who went to uh, undergraduate school, the state school, went, became a bomb tech, and now he's hoping to get back home so he can go to MIT or you know, Georgia Tech and become an engineer so he can do better for his family. That's when he don't have the privilege to come and goof off and do all this shit mm -hmm. like the white dude does. Mm -hmm. You know, and once again, it's an example of a white dude getting privilege just simply because of who he is. Yeah. So yeah. that that arrogance, that, that dynamic of frustration is what pushed Sanborn to the point where he was like, I might just kill this motherfucker. If it stands between me and him going home, I will kill him. How much of that, for that particular movie, how much of that is you bringing to it versus what Catherine is like kind of directing you to do? Oh, that was 100% my Juilliard experience. Hey. Word. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I read that script, I was like, oh, this Juilliard. Yeah, I'm getting my ass kicked and bust and working my fucking ass up, laying under a piano so I can work on tuning my ears so I can hear different accents and sounds. And this motherfucker ain't even bringing scenes in class. He's the lead of the play. He's the lead. And I never got a lead my entire time was there. The only time I got a lead when I was at Juilliard was when I created it. Mm. I get it. I get it. Fool me mm. one time. Shame on you. <laughs> what was what, what was the song? What was your song for Hurt Locker? What was it? Do you remember? You know what it was? Or your piece of art or whatever. <laughs> yeah. What was it? I um the piece of art, I got a um uh Jacob Lawrence painting called Funeral Procession. Um uh, which literally took my whole hurt like a check. It, I mean, but it's a it's a beautiful <laughs> it's a, I mean, but it's art. You can't you can't not buy No, I've a seen Jacob that painting. Lawrence. I know that. Yeah, yeah I've yeah, so, I know that one. You know, I, I got a, a piece called Funeral Procession because 
you know, when, when I when I looked at that piece and I thought about the dignity of this man coming home and his mama taking him to church and saying, look, my baby made it through the war. Mm-hmm. You know, how important is that to a soldier for his mama to see her baby coming up the driveway? Man. You know? Oh, yeah, so, it's the famous the one that was in the Cosby. Yeah, the it's ho- like you see the Hustables house. Right. It was at the Hustables yeah. house. Yeah, it was a whole yeah. episode on it. Okay, sorry. And, um... The song, I can't remember the song. I remember it was a Tupac song because all I listened to was Tupac. But um, I can't remember which one it was. I'm sure it had a, you know, motherfucker kick ass shit. No, something about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Man, enemy. I wish. <laughs> Enemies, Hennessy. Hennessy. Yo. <laughs> Man, I wish, I wish they would have known. I wish they would have said something because in the marketing for Notorious, because when I saw Notorious, and I mean, I had seen you in a lot of stuff prior to that, but I was like, yo, why did they cast Anthony Mackie as part? Like, that didn't make sense to me Until at the time. they gave you the backstory, yeah. Yeah, but mm-hmm. now that I'm hearing this, I'm like, damn, why didn't they make they that kind of... They mentioned it a little bit in the press, yeah, but not as much give us some context. Should've... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. because that would have set it up, that would have set you up so much better, in my opinion, just to give context as to why you were playing that role. Um, no, what I mean, was that like, I mean, the, the interesting thing about Tupac, because my first job, like I said, I played Tupac off-Broadway. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And his mama came and his sister came and all his boys came. And they were like, yo, you killed that shit. So when they said that, nobody else's opinion mattered. Like the biggest it. thing, the biggest thing I got from people about Notorious was he don't look like Tupac. And I'm like, if that's <laughs> the only thing you can say, then I won, fool. Yeah. yeah. I won. If you can say, oh, he was good, but he don't look like Tupac though. All right, fine. You, you go cast somebody that looks like Tupac and see how that works. But can't act, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and they do that so much. Like, they cast people that can sing and can't act. And then you see the movie, and it's like, damn. Like, why didn't they just cast somebody who could act and dub the singers? Ah, uh, you're right. Yep. You're right. You know, yep. if you're all right. of us was Jennifer Hudson, she wouldn't be special. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, can you talk about the process that led up to um, what I'm assuming is your first film, which is Eight Mile? Yeah. Um, at the time when it was presented to you, Papa Doc. Yeah, at the time <laughs> when it was presented to you, did you think that this would be Oscar caliber and critically acclaimed? Because even even when I heard about the rumors of Eight Mile happening, I think in my mind, I just filed it in the kind of somewhere in between Dr. Dre's The Wash and Purple Rain. Yeah, and the, and the missing so Beastie planning. Boys so film. Plain. No, well, so yeah, plain. I just meant at the time, it's just like, oh, Eminem's doing a movie. Okay, cool. But you know, I was shocked that you know everyone. It was. It was. I I was shocked that it was great. So. <laughs> You know what? What was the process of of you getting the role, like the audition process, and well, all those ironic, things? The ironic thing was, so I had just got out of school. My first movie I did was this movie called Brother to Brother, which to me is some of the best acting or the best acting I've done in my career, which is sad to say because it was my first fucking movie. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna ask you about that. I'm gonna ask you about that. Good. I. Uh, when I was doing Tupac off, off Broadway uh, at New York Theater Workshop, and this woman, Molly Finn, God rest her soul, one of the best casting agents in the business, came to see the play because she was doing a movie about hip hop. She came backstage afterwards and was like, you know, I want you to audition for the movie. She called my agent. I go in for Curtis Hanson. So 
when I read the script, the script was very different than the way it is in the movie. The script was very, very different. Like Scott Silver, like I, we we completely rewrote that script. Eminem and Makai completely rewrote that script every day before we walked on set. Mm. Um, but it became his truth. You know, everything about that movie was truth. Even his battle against me, calling me Clarence, because my parents had a good marriage. Clarence's parents went, had a real good marriage. I went, <laughs> I went to private school. <laughs> so you so know, he, he just took, used those facts from your actual life against you, and and wrote a rap about it. Wow. That's wow. why I was so mad at the end. I was like, am I going to have to sneak him a nim on stage? <laughs> <laughs> and you and you didn't know that he had written that before. You didn't know it until you heard it. No, he came up to me before and he was like, yo, you know, I just wanted to warn you, like, there's no reason for me not to like your character. Like, your character's a cool dude. Like, you a cool dude. I was like, thanks, him. He was like, so, you know, I went online, got some stuff. And, you know, I, I wrote a rap. Anyway, I wrote a rap and you know I'm gonna do it when we you know get on stage I was like that was your warning dope (laughs) that's all you get wow that's it yo then he opened his fucking mouth and I was like this motherfucker (laughs) how many takes was that uh one because the crazy thing about the rap back, the rap battle scene, Eminem was sick, so he couldn't do a lot of takes. So he literally did it in one take, and then after that, it was just like him lipping it and like doing the motions. Oh, okay. And they would play it back on the speaker. But the shit he did like that, and a lot anybody will tell you when we did that rap battle scene, they literally brought in like three hundred people in this stage they built, and. Um, they were St. everybody Andrews, was right uh, St. Andrews in Detroit it was supposed to be the St. Andrews but this was a room that they built on the stage okay okay right so they bring us in there and everybody there was like a budding rapper so everybody was looking at me like yo how the fuck they cast this dude to play a rapper we gonna fuck him up when we rap and I'm like uh we're acting sir so <laughs> <laughs> we're acting uh Curtis Hansen was like yo you know we need some b-roll of people rapping against Eminem so we can see him working his way up the ladder mm-hmm. of beating people. So we're going to, you know, we, we, we need six of you guys to come up and freestyle against him. He's not going to say anything because he's feeling kind of the weather under the weather. We just need footage of you like rapping against him. So these six motherfuckers got up and the first dude got up and was like, blah, 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 blah. You suck. Blah, blah, blah. And the audience was like, yeah, go. Yeah. Second person got up and it was a little chick. And the little chick gave Eminem his lunch. Oh. And when she finished, the crowd went crazy. It was like a rap. It was, it was the Apollo in this motherfucker. It was crazy. So then Eminem looked at the crowd and looked at her and was like, nah, fuck this. He, he turned the mic, mic on. on. He turned his <laughs> mic on. And you see the little girl face like, what are you doing? You're not supposed to. What are you doing? <laughs> Yo, in off the dome. He destroyed. I mean, better him. Literally, he finished this girl to a point. I'm sure she went and became a nurse and gave up. We never heard from her. (laughs) Never heard of her. And then the next dude gets up and he's like, "Oh shit, Um, Eminem's mic is okay." Eminem, I like your rhymes. You are cool. 
<laughs> so wait, when when they were doing B roll, were they were they addressing him as Rabbit, but just yeah. kind of subtly yeah. using uh, uh, Eminem references that you know? Exactly. They were talking about because you know they were talking about him as Eminem, but they were like, "Yo, you know, when you talk about him." You know, talk about him as rapping, not as Eminem. So they're right. like, all right, cool. You know, all these dudes are really talented rappers. So they were just coming off their head, like, with freestyle shit. Man, when this motherfucker <laughs> turned his mic on. That was it. It was ill. It was done. Game over. Cut the uh, Did you? Done. Did you not fear, but were you concerned that you actually had to prep as a freestyle MC to, to nail this role? Man, I'll tell you like I told Curtis Hanson. I was like, you give me a week, I can fly a helicopter. I believe that. Oh. I believe that. So he was he was like, he was like, because when I first got the role, this is what was funny. I only had four lines and three scenes. And I was only supposed to be there a week. And the longer I was there, Curtis started developing the role because we got along together so well. He started giving me more scenes. Then he was like, yo, can you stay longer? And I was like, hell yeah, I ain't got no job. So I literally <laughs> stayed there. And then he comes up to me one day and he's like, yo, Anthony, can you rap? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> I played Tupac and I went to Juilliard. I'm like, can you rap? Uh, can they read Shakespeare? No. Thank you very much. Fuck out of here. Right, right. <laughs> so wait, you wrote your rhyme during that battle? No, there was this, uh, this, uh, freestyle rapper named Craig, Craig G. G. Yeah, he was the one that... Oh, Craig, Craig G wrote that? Yeah, no, we worked together, and uh, okay, I, okay. I gave him I gave him some shit, and he took it and made it into a rap. Because <laughs> when I did it, it was like, yo, yo, uh. Like, <laughs> check it, check it. Check yeah. it. Yo, yo, oh, uh, that shit'll get you killed in the battle. I, <laughs> you gotta come right off. You gotta come right off with it. It's, it's like not jumping like in a double dutch room. <laughs> Wait, can I ask Monte, is yo yo uh the black version of well my name is done and I'm here to say here to say right <laughs> right, right. straight up stalling, bro. Stalling, yo, bro. You gotta get I, right I to say, the smoke. I say yo check it for like 16 balls, bro. <laughs> and this motherfucker was like, all right, sit down. But he really, you know, we uh sat down for like 45 minutes and really crafted some shit where I could get you know, grimy and emotional with it and really show like the skills of Papa Doc as a as a battle rapper, as a freestyle rapper. And, you know, so I owe it all to him. I mean, if it wasn't him, I would have looked like Booty up there. Okay. All right. So I have I have a question about brother to brother. So of course now in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, we're slowly becoming more evolved when when dealing with people who are culturally different than uh, the rest of the world. Um, your character was a homosexual in this film. So, you know, I remember distinctly an interview that Will Smith gave in which he said that um, Denzel told him, right? Uh, playing gay would end his career. Right. He, he he gave him a warning about Six Degrees and said that, you know, yep. be careful how you play this role because this could destroy your career. Where, right. you know, of course now, again, we're inching towards being evolved as humans in 2021. But 
back in 2004, we weren't quite there. So how uh, difficult or or hard was it to accept uh, this role as you're the first? So technically, you're saying that this is the first movie that you made, even though Eight Mile came out first. Yeah. Okay. No, so I talk- asked for that. I asked for that role. The young man Rodney Evans, who wrote Brother to Brother, um, he offered me the role of the poet that was played by Larry Gillier because he felt like he needed a gay uh, okay. man to play the gay role. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you play Tupac. There's no way you can play a gay character. What? I went to Juilliard. Yeah. So I said, <laughs> I literally said, I went to Juilliard. <laughs> I read a scene for him, and he was like, all right, I'll give you the role. You can play the role. And uh, you know what was weird? Like, when I was in school, I realized that I was a... Uh, a sexist homophobic. Yeah, a whole black man in the 90s. Yeah, what made you realize that? Um, there was this actor uh, my freshman summer. I went to Chautauqua, New York to do a, um, a Shakespeare. And I said something stupid about my gay teacher. And this other actor came up to me and set me straight. You know, I just felt like less than a human being for even looking at think for thinking it was okay to look at another human being that way just because of their sexual preference. And I was ashamed. I was literally uh, ashamed of myself. Um, And it took me those three years to exercise that demon. And the culmination of that was when I read brother to brother, I was like, look, if I'm an actor, you know, I, I, I need to play this role so that I can understand the day-to-day struggles of what a young gay black man goes through. And did that role help you understand that? 100%. It changed my life. It changed my perspective on life. So talk about that in relation to um, to your Black Mirror episode, Striking Vipers, because that was like next level. It was decades afterwards. That episode went in the direction I did not expect. And it didn't. (laughs) But I was was so here for it because it was, I mean, it's Black Mirror, so it always makes you think differently and it always makes you think this shit could happen. So... And I was here for these two black men do, having this this beautiful moment. I don't know. What do you what do you say? Well, the the idea of striking vipers, which was so funny, is the quintessential romance. Every dude mm-hmm. would agree. When you out with yes. your boys and you having a good time, and your girl call you like, "Fuck, give me a minute," and you <laughs> yeah, run outside, right. jump in the oh, car. Oh no! But at the top is just, "Hey, they were out having fun with my boys." Right. I'm just chilling, <laughs> and then she's like, "Come home." And you're like, "Damn, I don't want to leave my boys because I'm having so much fun." Mm-hmm. You know, so it's the same thing with Striking Vipers. It's just they took it in a virtual sense. And the funny thing about it was when I read for Striking Vipers, it was supposed to be two white dudes. Then the director was like, maybe it could be a white dude and a black dude. And then one to the director, the director was like, I've been of homosexuality in the black community. Wouldn't we fuck people up if we do it with two black dudes? Yes, yes. And I was like, yes, you would. And he's like, I think black people need to see this. And I was like, yes, they do. <laughs> yes. So, so it was literally this little white European director who was like, yo, I'm putting this shit out there on blast. Yo, and the two actors, and it's so dope too, because it couldn't have been two perfect actors, you and y'all, y'all like, especially the perception and the roles that y'all have already played in the past. So right. I, that's why it that reaction for Fonte was probably how everybody felt, because they would have never imagined these two actors. Yo, yeah, I didn't see that, that episode going in that direction. Was sitting on the, in the airport. And there was a dude sitting across from me playing his little 
like uh, Nintendo Switch, right? So he's playing his Switch and he looks up and he sees my face and he's like, oh. he turned. <laughs> Yo, he turned his Switch off and put it in his bag. Because, <laughs> because not for nothing, have you have you heard any feedback from any, especially gay black men? I have a, a gay black brother that. To, talks about this episode. He's a fan. He's a big Marvel head anyway. So he's an mm-hmm. Anthony Mackie fan. But for him, it meant something different as well. So I was curious if you got any feedback about that. You know, I Wait, have. time out, time out, time out. Margaret, you have a brother? A black, you know, my play brother. Oh, play, brother. Oh, black you people. Know, like, all right, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Lies, man. We all We asked the question. I'm sorry. You. Wolf tickets and shit. No, it was just five years into the show. I'm like, wait a minute. You have a brother? You have what? a sibling? Right. No, yeah. all, all only children got a bunch of fake brothers and sisters. That's just what we do. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I only claim my own. Good. <laughs> and that's why I did the episode because I expected that. Like, I expected oh, okay. the, the conversation, the acknowledgement, the feedback, the appreciation. And um, no, nah, I haven't got that at all. Okay, if well, they anything, love it. If, if anything, I've gotten the uh, direct opposite. What you mean? Oh, my God. Are black people watching Black Mirror? Yes. Yeah. That's why it's called Black Mirror. You ain't seen at least for the, <laughs> at least the, at least the Black Museum. That was the whole Black Museum season. So, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But, but what was the other reaction that you've been getting? Um, Just like, you know, a, a, a lot of um, negative. No. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting. The, uh, the, the connotation of, you know, um, negative feedback as far as you know you know questioning if one i was gay you know their opinion of what homosexuality was uh their opinion of what you know it means um which is something i definitely expected and was ready to question and strike down as soon as that conversation came up but i was just surprised by the fact that you know i went out there and like nobody had my back. Oh, I got you. I, yeah. I, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know there yeah. are people out there that do. Yeah. But there's been times where, you know, you got to let somebody know that you're in the gym and you bench pressing 225 mm. 15 times. Yeah. There's mm. been a few instances like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I did not know. Well, I felt the weight of that role. I felt the weight of that role, especially for you. No, I I really liked that episode. I didn't think there would be any negative feedback. No, it was a great experience. Yeah. Um. All right. Before we get to she hate me, uh, I I do have to briefly ask, even though it it wasn't a major role, um, but uh, could you talk about Manchurian Candidate and sort of like. The, the 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 process of doing that and how was that for you? Oh, Manchurian was hell on earth, dude. I mean, I was only there a few days because I was doing another movie, right. and I literally did it just because I wanted to work with Jonathan Demi. <laughs> right. Um, you know, being an actor in New York, Jonathan Demi was at the you know a a, a god like a, a a thing of folklore and legend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when when he because he knew me from theater and independent films in New York. So he was like, you know, I'm doing this little movie, you know, uh, you know, Denzel said, yes. So I have another role for you. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so, you know, he brought me out. And he, he's really he was really good at casting people he'd like to be around, people he considered friends. Um, so it was it was more so the experience just to be on set with him and see him direct. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But they didn't tell us we was going to be in New Jersey in two feet of snow in fucking January. Oh. <laughs> Trying to act like we were in the desert in shorts and t-shirts. Sounded like uh, somebody from N.O. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Can't take uh, it. Okay. Couldn't take it at all. Also, before before we... Before we I don't let, have like, a lie. Oh, wild. my God. I don't have... I, I just want to... Before, because I know you're about to go in. Half Nelson, man. That's one of my favorite roles of yours. Uh, Thank um, you, sir. I, I thought that script was very... It was, it was, uh, yeah, that shit was, it was, it was, it was a chance. I mean, it was risky, you know what I mean? Because it could be interpreted in a lot of different ways. But um, tell me about that role and like working with like Ryan Gosling and what was it like shooting that? Uh, You know, Half Nelson was dope. We literally shot that belly of Brooklyn. And, you know, working with Ryan at that time was interesting because he wasn't Ryan Gosling. Mm -hmm. You know, so he was taking chances and doing things in a different type of way. There was a different understanding of the way he was working you know and that movie made him put him on the map and you know for me growing up in new orleans like the drug dealers i knew were the ones who took care of the neighborhood they took care of the block so if you were a smart kid with good grades and you come out and you're like yo i want to sell rocks they're like like, nah "Nah, get the hell on get on this ain't for you for you you know so when i read that script i talked to the producer and uh ryan uh, anna who directed it and i was like this is this is this like if he's taking care of this little chick and making sure that she's you know provided for and taken care of in a situation where she has no one you know he's that dude that take care of the block he's providing jobs and economic structure for his community when the government has basically bastardized them and condemned them to nothing so that was that was uh, something I, I predicated on that role and wanted to, you know, grow and mature that character into uh, because I, I knew those dudes. I grew up with those dudes. You know, when I needed when I wanted a pair of uh, Jordans and my mama wouldn't buy me Jordans like, you know, my 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 dude on the corner. <laughs> Made sure that we had jobs. Like when I had to take the bus at five thirty to make Damn. it to school by eight, my dude on the corner made sure I didn't get beat up on my way to the bus. Oh wow! You know, so the drug dealers literally found out I was a little arson dude, and they took care of me. And I, I never got jumped on the way home. Wow! Because if you stepped on oh. a, if you stepped Sorry. in Boscoville and tried to st- steal up on me, them boys was there. Ready. <laughs> listen i don't have a lot of I, we already we had spike lee on the show i told him she hate me was always an interesting movie for me just from the the storyline of you and the ladies and impregnating them i said that I, was spike's midlife crisis I, I i agree with you i agree with you <laughs> and and so did his wife and his daughter but listen my question to you about she hate me outside of the draw of this phenomenal cast because it should not be forgotten that lynette mcgee jim brown ozzy davis all wendell everybody all, everybody was in this movie because I, I know that was a draw but really yeah. tell me, Anthony Mackey, when you read this script the way you do with your three layers. Did you read it three times? <laughs> <laughs> what was the real draw of this script? To be honest, uh, Jeffrey Wright was offered She Hate Me, and he turned it down. Really? Dario Dawson and Jeffrey Wright. Whoa. And, uh, wow. Yeah, and they said no. I didn't want I to was, see him in that physical position like you. I was I was working with Spike on so I, I hold the record of being the lead of two Spike Lee movies nobody saw. 
Oh shit! So the movie, the movie I was working what was on was like it was called Sucker Free City. It was a movie we did. For, oh uh, yeah, Hilton. yeah, the one. Yeah, we, yeah I remember. Uh, yeah. I, I totally forgot about that one. But yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. So, so when we were doing Sucker Free City, Spike was like, "Man, I got this movie. Warm, warm, warm. It's gonna be crazy." You know, Jeffrey Wright, most deaf. Warm, warm, warm. Rosario Dawson. I'm like, bet. Let me know when you need me. So two mm. weeks later, he comes back. He's like, "Yo, my next project. Would you be interested in doing it?" Yeah, man. I'm like, hell yeah, I'd be interested in doing it. So the crazy thing was when I read the script, to me, because of Michael Genet wrote it, it read like a Shakespearean play. If you read a Shakespearean play, you have plot, subplot, you have four different storylines and they all culminate into one story. If you look at She Hate Me, it's really Shakespearean in the way it's written because you have plot, subplot, you have two or three different storylines. You and do. Crazy, I got that, yeah. and, and the crazy thing about it is people say it was Spike's uh, middle age crisis. You know what was the cover of the New York Times magazine the week She Hate Me came out? What? Looking for Mr. Good Sperm. Women over 40 paying young men for sperm instead of going to sperm banks. <laughs> but they weren't because lesbians, Anthony. And these women were rich <laughs> in the New York Times magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and what was, what was not even crazier, connected? Not, not even connected? Not at all. Not connected at all. And what was crazier, this was the same time that that doctor had impregnated like 150 oh, women yeah, with his own heart. Yeah, with his own yeah. shit, yeah. Mm, Y'all uh -huh. was topical. Y'all was topical. It was with, timely. It yeah. was timely. Yeah. Even yeah. the subplots with the embezzlement and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But it was just... So it was, it's easy, it's easy, it's easy to say that, you know, a midlife crisis of a man or a man's dream and a sexist connotation that men disrespect and bastardize women. But the reality of it is it was very timely and on point. That's a nice translation. Very well done. My lady. Julia. In a nice little box. I mean, I think, too, in that movie, too, I mean, they were, the thing I liked about it, I mean, both parties, they were making a choice. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't like there was this guy that, like you said, homie, that was just giving women his own shit unknowingly and without their knowledge or whatever. Both parties were consenting that this is what they wanted to do. We live in a day and age where consent is okay. Yeah, yeah, it's mandatory. It's preferred, right? Yeah. Preferred, yeah. you know, it's, it's the law. It's, 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 it's preferred. Law, right. yeah, it's okay. There are yeah, aspects. Preferred. There are a lot of aspects of me that enjoyed that movie. I just, you know, if you yeah, say, so, what did you didn't like about Lai? What, what that what was, was it? You? That was it. Was just always odd to me that this man was having physical sex and they were enjoying it, and these women were not queer women. They were supposed to be like straight up lesbians. So I was like, where in the world do they not just ask this man for the uh, the a turkey a turkey baster? Where they do that? But I enjoyed. So but I enjoyed I the scene. About that. There's I, so much. I can is it? Is it? Is yeah. it? Anthony? Was okay. And at least was the original. <laughs> was the original script what wound up on the final, uh, the final cut, or were there adjustments made, or? Well, for she hate me. Yeah. No, that was pretty much the original script. I mean, when I came on board, Michael Janae had to change some things, uh, but for the most part, that was the script I read. I mean. It was pretty, it was pretty, you know, when Spike comes on board, he does his Spike-isms, but, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was pretty much the script I read. Now, this is why I love your journey. Like, you're out, like, I loved watching your acting journey because, I don't know, every role stood out and every role had a meaning and it was deeper than you thought. 
Go same mm-hmm. thing that you're doing right now with the Falcon, because I was like, it's ill that the Falcon is getting a little deep. I was like, I like. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You put a little Anthony on the Falcon. I yeah, man. Yeah, we got to talk about, yeah, like, how did you come into the Marvel Universe? I mean, we know, like, the, um, uh, your boy Terrence Howard, he originally was, uh. No, that was, he was Don. No, right? that was Don. No, he took up Terrence. Terrence. That's right. That was Don, yeah, right. It was yeah, It was Terrence yeah. in Iron Man 1. And then Don was Iron Man 1. Iron Man 2. Yeah. Yeah, because he became War Machine. But so, the Falcon, how did your journey come into it? Um, you know, my, uh, Marvel experience was very different, um. They came to me and uh, I was asking them to be a part of the Marvel Universe around the time of Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3. And then they uh, asked me to come out to L.A. to have a meeting. And uh, literally we had lunch and they said, OK, we can't tell you what movie. We can't tell you what character. But if we ask you to be in the Marvel Universe, would you do it? And you said. Wait. And I said. Would you, would you want to tell them about that gun line, boss? <laughs> <laughs> the state of Mississippi. Yeah, in the state of Mississippi. <laughs> who, who did wow. you, in a dream world, though, Anthony, I mean, I'm sorry, but who would you have wanted to, is there a, did you have a preference? Just say like, it. Just, did you want Black Panther? Or? Oh, no, not, no, 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 no. I mean, anybody. Yeah. No, 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 no. For me, it was either, because I, I didn't think they were going to bring the Falcon into the fold. Right. Uh, for me, when I, was harassing them. I was harassing them about Black Panther because I thought that was, for me, if you look up any press I did before mm-hmm. they even announced it, I said very specifically that the movies they should do was Black Panther and uh, Wonder Woman. Oh, yes. Ah, okay. Because gotcha. oh. little brown boys and girls need representation. How, how, steep, how steep were you into yeah. the, the universe of, of Marvel before... You actually got involved in the film? Uh, not at all. I was never a comic book kid. Like that's why it's so funny to me. <laughs> me neither. That's why it's so funny to me now when people say, "Oh, I'm a nerd. I read." I'm like, if everybody was reading comic books, why did all the comic book stores go out of business? <laughs> so stop fucking lying. Stop the, fucking lying. You are reading comics. the movies. Was, and they, yeah. they sell Betty and Veronica in the grocery stores too. But it's okay. yeah, nobody was reading fucking comic books. Yeah, nobody. I gotta admit, and I did. Uh, in my five-year history of this show, I was nervous about you coming on only because I know that there there's such a uh, there's a contingent or or at least a, a a certain fan base. You know those uh, in San Diego. What do you call them? Comic Conners. Oh, Comic Con. Yeah, yeah. That are so deep into the shit, and I I'm not a. And it's not like I'm not a Marvel head. I just didn't grow up reading comic books and whatnot. I knew nothing about the Marvel. I didn't know it that deep. And I was afraid. I was like, yo, if I have him on the show and don't ask him some deep Easter egg question that... It's okay. I have notes. What do you need? Because I want you to hurry up and get to your question because I, well, I got no. some Marvel notes. You have to You have to look at Comic-Con. I wish I could block you right now. Good. <laughs> <laughs> you can. You have, to, you have to look at Comic-Con this way. Every year, you know, ten to 15,000 people go to San Diego for Comic-Con. Mm. How many people are in America... Very true, but there, but Anthony, don't you agree? There are levels of these people. Like it's not just Comic Con or Amir. There are like at least ten different levels in between Comic Con and Amir. Of Marvel, right, one hundred percent. But yeah. I'm saying the whole thing of you well, know. Well, I'm not now, at the bottom. I, I see these films. 
now everybody saying. you talk to grew up reading sure. comic books and knowing everything. I'm like, that's not true. That's not true. No, nah, it's not like, true. Like people get mad. Nah, everyone has the internet now. Yeah, that's what it is. Right. Yeah, they <laughs> got the internet true. now. You that's can go back true. and read. You can right. become a retroactive comic book fan. It's right. Like, or just read on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, you just read it, nigga. Yeah, because, you know, dudes show up, they see the chick dressed as Leia at Comic-Con, you know, and they're trying to impress her by telling her about the Captain America Truth series. It's like, come on, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. But what is that process like? Like doing, like living up to an expectation of, you know, having to go to Comic-Con and meet these, you know, these Trekkie-like nerds and whatnot. Like, is it exhausting? Like, do you have um, to do it in the Marvel no, world? You, or Yeah, you definitely have to do it. I, um, you know, but the big thing is it feels good to be appreciated. You know, yeah. there's so many, as, as artists, how many times have you created something and put it out there and, you know, no one has reacted or responded to? Yeah. Or even worse, you put something out there and motherfucker who's never made an album, a motherfucker who has no talent whatsoever say, your shit sucks. Right. <laughs> you know, so it feels good. Imagine every time you put something out, you know, motherfucker like, yo, this is the best shit ever. Yeah, yeah. but okay, I have my version of Comic-Con and that's called OK Player. Yeah, so, but that ain't Comic-Con. <laughs> for real, for real. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's it's like, it's there's, there's a danger in that... I feel like there's a day. I know you're saying that it's 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 great to be loved and appreciated and da 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 da, but then I just see Comic Con people as like extreme level of nerdness and not all, not okay all. player, like okay player, yeah, yes, exactly. Just music nerds is just different. It's inside baseball, man. Yeah, so that's what it is. Nerds. So but, uh, yeah. I mean, it's also a thing where on okay player, you know. Uh, there's equal amount of hate and disdain and criticism for the roots in quest love as there is love probably more than so. Yeah. Well, for, for Marvel folks, I think it's more about the writers and what the, which directions they go in with the characters. And that's when the fans get mad depending on if they that's go off they, script. Mm-hmm. So right. that's how it works. Okay. For them. That being said, Anthony, can I ask you one of my Marvel heads wanted me to ask you, do you think that the world was ever ready for a black captain America? Uh, the, what his role was. Um, I think the idea of, you know, was the world ever ready for a green Hulk? Right. <laughs> you know, it, it was never, how could you accept a green dude and not accept a black dude? You know, Look, it was never I guess because it's of, Captain America is such an institution and the way he's looked at is different than a Black Panther. You know what I mean? As, I think, I, you know what, I'll be honest. Yeah. I think, like, especially being, do you have kids? No. Okay. I, I know One some, thing, though. Okay. One thing I know about kids and one thing I admire, kids aren't racist. Yeah. Like they're pretty open-minded. We teach them racism. Right. So if you're making a comic book for kids about a character, no matter what color he is, if he has cool powers, they're going to love him. Right. But that's assuming that they make all these things for kids. Like at this point, Marvel's an institution, right? Wait, wait, wait. But the key phrase at this point. At this point. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. you know, before, you know, it was cool to be a, a, a quote unquote nerd before, you know, Comic Cons and people dressing up and doing cosplay, you know, books for, for teenagers and kids. 
You know, so if you present them with a black Captain America, they'll grow up with a black Captain America. And they don't know any different. They wouldn't know any different. So how could they not be ready for something they don't even know? They don't even, they wouldn't know anything as opposed to black Captain America, what? Because nobody complained when they made Captain British America. (laughs) You're right. Yo, I always want to ask you about uh, pain and gain. Pain the game, bro. Like, how much did you have to like put on for that? Like, what was your training regimen like for that? Now, oh. I put on like uh, I went up to about <laughs> two twenty. Um, okay. So I was one ninety five before I started training for that. Uh-huh. Uh And I just literally ate steak and potatoes in the morning, and six eggs and oatmeal Shit. for breakfast, and it was dude. That was just I was breakfast. Eating, uh, yeah, six no six eggs six eggs and oatmeal with berries for uh, breakfast, and then lunch I would do like a uh, weight uh, a mass gain or protein shake with a steak and some eggs, and then I would have like four more meals because I was eating like thirty five hundred calories a day. Good God. Man, what was the experience like? I like that movie. I think I might be one of the only people that actually went up for that movie. I fuck with that movie, but <laughs> but what was it like working with uh with uh Mark and uh and The Rock? It was great, man. You know what? Mark is one of the coolest dudes I've ever worked with, and you know he really gave me an opportunity with that joint. We had a great time. Like we literally every day came to set, shot the shit, had fun. I mean, it was like it was you know Michael Bay gave us the keys to the car and was like. Be as ridiculous as you want to be. Wow. I was going to ask you on some insider Marvel baseball on the on a season two episode with the the young the older black man and the young black man. I heard those are actual Marvel characters. I was just going to ask you if that was going to develop into something. Uh, I don't know, but uh, Isaiah Bradley. A lot of people Isaiah, don't know. Yes, Isaiah. Yeah. Right. A lot of people don't know that uh, the the super soldier serum yes. was original was originally tested on uh Tuskegee soldiers and it was a comic book that came out in the early 2000s called the truth Series. and um Isaiah Bradley was it was a limited run people like talk shit about it so it went away but uh the writer name was Morales and he created this uh cartoon series where Basically, Isaiah Bradley and a bunch of uh, Tuskegee soldiers were being injected with the simple sur- the super soldier serum mm-hmm. so that they can perfect it. And once they perfected it, they gave it to Steve Rogers. Wow. Oh, and, so, gotcha. and so the rumor is that the grandson is going to become a young Avenger. I'm just. No, that's that's, that's, from, like a whole... that's, that's from the comic book. Okay. One thing you have to. One thing you have to realize, Marvel never takes the comic books word for word, note for note. Okay. So even if you look at the comic book, when Falcon first was introduced, he was a hustler from Marvel. Mm. You know, so if you watch the movie, the Falcon's from Louisiana. So, you know, it's a completely different world. It's a completely different universe. So it's not something where they take the comic book word for word or note for note. And have you put any Anthony into any of these storylines? Um, No. Okay. Not at all. Okay. Because I didn't, you know, Malcolm Spellman, our writer, you know, him and the Marvel uh, crew and Carrie, our uh, director, they were the ones who came up with the storyline and ideas. That one came to me and was like, this is what we're thinking. Okay. So, you know, it wasn't me. Man. It's dope. I have two questions and then we'll let you go. One is about 
just the 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 secretive process in the Marvel world, how airtight or Fort Knox light is is the the process of actually getting the physical script. Like, do they have to like hand deliver it to you? Like, is it? Yo, it's so crazy. No matter like, what where happens if you lose your 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 briefcase or something. Yeah. No matter where you are in the world, they send someone to come to you. You sign a letter saying that you received it. That person turns around, goes back to the airport, gets on the airplane, and flies back to LA. Wow. Oh, that's it. Okay. My final question is: Are you going to do any forays in, in, into uh, directing? Uh, actually, I'm working on that now. I'm working. There's um, this story that I'm acquiring the rights to. Um, about this young girl during civil rights who was the first person, to, first woman to sit on a train, uh, sit on a bus and not get up. Claudette Colvin. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, the real Fonte. Story. Nice, nice. Fonte knows his shit. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, before we before we go, I got I have to deliver this message to be mad. Omar Dorsey wanted me to ask you, oh, why does everyone? <laughs> you already know. <laughs> He said, why does everybody call you an asshole, but they love him? Because Omar out here selling his booty for cornbread. <laughs> Mike drop, nigga. Yeah. Ladies and there gentlemen, thank there you. Is. Well, that is another episode of Quest Love Supreme yeah. with Anthony hey. Mackey. On behalf of oh, Supreme. You got dunked on, bro. You got dunked on. Oh, I'm sorry. And all the cornbread <laughs> in the world. Thank you, Anthony. Flowers, Thank y'all. Flowers, flowers. We will see you in <laughs> the next round bro. Quest Love Supreme. I'll see y'all later. Peace. Get your wolf tickets. <laughs> <laughs>Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. 
plus at these prices? You're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.